Welcome to Conversations with Buddy, coming to you live from the Rec Podcast Recording Studio here in Kaiser, Oregon. I'm really excited about introducing you, my guest today, Chris Holland. Uh, he's actually our podcast host. He's the one that puts all this together, but I really had the idea of uh, interviewing him because I think he's got a lot of great talents and he's got a story he wants to share as well. Uh, we all do. And so your time is coming. But for now, uh, welcome, Chris. Good morning. Well, let's talk about you a little bit. I know, here's what I know about you. I know you're married. I think you have one daughter mm-hmm. and you've been in ministry before. So just kind of walk us through a little bit who you are, kind of where you grew up. Sure. Uh, and a little bit about you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm... <clears throat> I just turned forty six, you know, oh, back dude. in August. And happy birthday. Uh my uh my wife and I have been married. We were just talking about this yesterday. We've been we've been married uh, uh twenty four years. It'll be twenty five uh, in June. Congrats. Um so nineteen ninety eight and yeah, we've got a I've got an um a daughter that just turned eighteen, so she just graduated from high school and so we're Getting, getting geared up for college and got a car and a license and all of that stuff. Scary. So it's been a, a few months of, of um, an interesting a new season of change for the whole family in addition to um, a bit of a career shift for me as well. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of like, that's like the current status. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, um, I, uh, yeah, I grew, I grew up, I have an interesting Probably a pretty uh, an interesting backstory that I could probably take take in a couple hours to we tell. We got you a couple hours, thing, man. But... <laughs> Go for it. Let's unload it. But the short version is, um, I was adopted, you know, twice growing up. So I'm an, I have a a, um, a background of adoption. Um, I grew up in uh, grew up in Arizona uh, with a single mom um, who uh, was codependent and had uh, some alcoholism issues that she had been struggling with, and through some family connections, found. Um, a uh, found a family that um, wanted to help her out to get her stable by offering some legal guardianship. So when I was five years old, I went into legal guardianship with a with a family, and then for I stayed with them for a few years while in contact with my biological mom, and then she came back uh, into my life when I was about eight, and uh, we made an attempt to reconnect and and try to reform the family and it it just didn't quite work out she still was dealing with uh with uh abusive boyfriends and and some other family situations that that were happening and so um we began a discussion about doing an actual adoption with the family that um had i had been under legal guardianship with and so um after a few months of discussing that and, and building a process i ended up being adopted by that family. So, and by that time I was probably eight or nine years old. <clears throat> and, uh, and then that family was really interesting. They, they had already had, um, their own kids. They were grown up, they had gone to college. And so here they are, you know, thinking about retirement or their next stage of life. And they've got this, you know, eight or nine year old kid that they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we do this over again? You know? And so, um, and, uh, so that, uh, that um, set of parents, uh, uh, the, my mom from from uh, that family had gone to a women's retreat, and uh, during the women's retreat, they're all getting to know each other, telling each other about their backstories, a little bit what they were struggling with, and she told her story about you know uh, my my situation, and another uh, woman there um, shared a, a similar situation. Um, she had uh, her uh, grand, her four grandkids, um, whose uh, mother had been, you know, 
uh, incarcerated and um, uh, some family tragedy had happened. And so they wanted to give them a fresh start. Um, they were living in Anchorage, Alaska. So they bought a school bus, packed all the kids into it, drove them down to Albany, bought a little farmhouse thing out there and were just uh, continuing to. So this lady had her grandchildren that she was raising um, and they're all similar ages to me. And so, um, so that was really interesting. They made some, they had some connections through some shared experience and that kind of thing. And so um, I had gone to a youth group with them. And so I knew this family and um, through a, a long set of discussions and meals and meetings and stuff they. Uh, the uh, the Lord really spoke to um, the the family of, of this uh, this family that had brought their kids from from uh, their grandkids from Alaska, and they said, you know, we you know we got five four kids. What's what's another kid? You know, and so like, how would you feel about you know having your son you know uh, be with us? And so. Um, and so, uh, af- again, after you know discussions and things, that we ended up discussing this idea of doing uh, a, a guardianship with this family. And it wasn't because that family, the first family, uh, didn't love me or anything, but they were really trying. They had made plans mm-hmm. to move to the islands and like sell their house and sold their business and stuff. And so, I had you know gotten in the middle of that. And so they're trying to consider like how, how would they would bring me along. And so. Um, but this opportunity had presented itself, and it was um, was an interesting opportunity. And unbeknownst to that family, it was really interesting because I, as I was growing up, uh, my first family had had encouraged me to pray every night. And what, what did I want to pray for? When I, I always prayed for brothers and sisters. <laughs> and lo and behold, when I was you know eleven years old, a, f- a family comes that's interested in, in um, taking me in with with brothers and sisters. And so. So we worked out a thing where I would I would stay um, with them for a week, and then I would stay with the other family for a little while, and then over the course of six months, I had sort of moved my stuff from one family to the other, and they had a room for me in both places, and so I went, went back and forth, and then eventually I was fully um, with the Han family, um, and it was really really interesting. Uh, the 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 mother of that family uh, was a retired uh, teacher in Alaska and in EMT. So she had a really interesting skill set of teaching, um, and then the, the the father from that family he uh, had worked in law enforcement, and then subsequently had started a, a place called Turning Point Turning Point Boys Ranch up in Alaska, which was taking delinquent youth um, offenders into a program, and it's kind of a bit of a boot camp type of mm-hmm. you know where they're trying to instill some values and, and straighten straighten out some kids and. So he had this real disciplinary um, experience um, working with youth, and then I had this this teacher that mom was a teacher, and so their combined skills really took me through what I would probably consider a rebellious time in my life, you know. And so you can imagine growing up in a childhood, you know, where you're you're moving around a lot. As loving as everybody is, it it it, it changes you and. As a teenager, I acted out like most, you know, what? teenagers, and so, so. Um, but what was really interesting. It really wasn't until my twenties that I kind of looked back and said, "Wow, you know, um, God really like gu- guided me through this through my entire childhood up until I was twenties. I had a biological mom who loved loved me as much as she could until I was five, and then I had this other family that you know took care of me and guided me through." you know, my, my grade school youth. And, and then, you know, as I became a teenager and I started acting out, I had a, a, a teacher and a really strong disciplinarian that would, that helped me through, guide me through that part of my life. And so, 
you know, hindsight being 2020, you look back and mm-hmm. say like, wow, you know, you could really see where, where, you know, God guided me through this entire path. And so, huh. so that's kind of like my, my growing up. Um, yeah. And then as I got into my twenties, you know, I'm, you know, and, uh, trying to figure out, you know, who I was as, as a person, I, um, I went through, uh, uh, trying different careers, you know, and I knew that I was a creative person. I just didn't know how that was, how I was going to manifest that stuff. In fact, my mom in high school, you know, she, she, uh, she's like, well, I, cause I really wanted to go into music, um, and technology. And this is like, you know, early nineties. So Had tech- you been doing music prior to that? I mean, I'd been doing choir and I'd been doing theater and things like that. I played drums in, 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 uh, a band. Um, but, uh, it wasn't like, you know, you know, Albany is a, is a, a lumber town and like what kid from Albany is going to, you know, go, you know, <laughs> go out into the world and be a successful, whatever musician. So you grew up in Albany, Oregon. So I grew up in Albany. Yeah. So okay. not too far from, from here. But, um, so my mom was like, yeah, you should do that for fun and find like a job that will actually make you some money. And so, you know, I, I had considered what my options were. Um, and I had decided at that time that I would wanted to focus on food, you know, cause the food is also creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, but that there's a, you know, there's, there's places you can go in the food industry, um, that w- will sustain you. And so I made a temporary move into culinary arts, um, for a while. Um, and then I quickly realized that the pace of life, that the culinary arts now, of course we know all this now, if you watch, you know, documentaries and stuff to see like how absolutely crazy it like kitchens are and food service in the industry and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad I got out of that because it probably would have ground me up. You know, uh, um, it's not, not the, the lifestyle I really wanted to, to, to do, but, um, in the back of my head, I still always wanted to, to do something creative and still really loved, you know, technology and stuff. And, the next part of my life was I had an opportunity to go work um, in the tech industry uh, with somebody who recognized that I had um, a talent for for technology, for understanding technology and um, and troubleshooting and things like that. So somebody gave me um, a chance to get into a job that I probably didn't uh, qualify for. In fact, I, if I'm if I remember right, I think I failed my. My uh, my entrance exam into that that tech support position, and they said we're going to call you back in fifteen minutes and let you look up the answer, and then we're going to ask you the same questions again. And they kind of failed me into this thing, but it was an opportunity for me to to grow and to to learn. And so that's really where I picked up um, a lot of my my love for process and technology. Well, it sounds like so. they must have loved you. They loved you enough to go. You know what? We really like your character. Yeah, you may not have got all these answers right, mm. but we see potential. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was really great to have, you know, people who, who, who could see, yeah. you know, uh, past whatever lack of knowledge I have and say, Hey, we, we see the potential in you and we, yeah. we want to build into you. So, so before you go forward, let's go back just a little bit. Sure. Where's your dad? Where's your biological dad? Yeah. So I never knew my biological dad. He was never around when I was growing Got up. It. So, um, and that's always, it's been really interesting. I've always had strong mother figures, um, in my life. Uh, whether or not it was, you know, uh, the family I was with or, you know, if I were, if I, you know, in like my wife, um, you know, has a, has a really, um, my mother-in-law is, 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 is really great. But, uh, each one of the father figures I had, um, in my life, um, played a slightly different role. Um, my, uh, my father from my, from my first adoption, um, 
had kind of a, a English temperament and he was really into like carving and fishing, um, real hands-on type of guy, um, uh, uh, real quiet, but, um, but intense. And, and he, he exposed me to a lot of, you know, things that, that he was interested in and taught me a lot of, um, things growing up, um, in regards to, to, um, nature and things that, that he really enjoyed. And then as I went into, you know, the Han family, he, he um, had uh, he had the the uh, um, this is how um, this is not only you know I'm going to teach you how to drive but I'm going to teach you like the you know what you need to look out for and um, he was very good about like all throughout my life not just waiting for the questions to happen but also pointing things out and saying okay this is the reason why you should do this thing and this is the reason why so um, so each each uh, father figure I had there. Uh, in those families, um, really poured into me um, in different ways, and, and and by extension, like you know, I you know I had you know dated through high school and through college, and and um, uh, the 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 male um, part of the uh, um, uh, my say like my girlfriend's you know dad, like he was really into music, and so he's like, I'm going to show you my record collection, and I'm going to show you my gear, and I'm going to show you how all, all this stuff works, and so it seems like no matter where I was at, there was always um, some strong um, um, male that wanted to to, to mm. took interest in me and wanted to pour into me, and I would say that extends to today. Like I have a really great relationship with my father-in-law, um, um, and he's he's a great mentor. He's he was a teacher for many years, mm. and so like I ask him all kinds of questions about teaching, or I ask him you know his experience. He's a he's a history teacher, so I like to ask him lots of questions about what he knows about history. So sounds like your your first adopted father was more creative, did the fishing, the carving, the woodworking. Mm. So I, I've noticed about you, you're creative mm. and you're a technical genius. Mm. So maybe both f- uh, adopted fathers had the impact on you. And we all, we, we know that we're really highly influenced up to about seven where we really develop our character. Mm-hmm. So what's it mean to have that type of mentorship in your life, whether it's your father-in-law, your first adopted father, or or your adoptive father, the, the Han family. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was super important, um, to my formative years for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's important now, I think, but, um, but it was really important for me, um, as I was younger. I mean, I can even think of, you know, um, the teachers that, that took the time out, um, uh, I wasn't a super great student, so one of the things I suffer um, with is um, a little bit of ADHD, um, and so um, which a lot of creative uh, people do. Totally. And you know, my parents were they were never. Uh, this is sort of in the late '80s, where like the the answer to it was to take some some you know attention deficit drugs or something. And my my mom just wasn't wasn't into that, and so. Um, but at the same time, there wasn't a like what we know now is that you know they usually recommend a combination of um, of um, if it needs it some sort of you know chemical adjustment, but also a recognition of your of the things you're dealing with and trying to figure out alternative ways to to deal with them and, and building tools and processes and so. I would recognize in myself later that I had uh, a bit of a learning disability. And I think this is before, like we know now that people learn in different ways. They mm-hmm. can learn by hearing, by seeing, by doing, or maybe a combination of both. They they intake information um, differently. And whereas, 
you know, back in the eighties when I grew up, it was definitely, you know, sit in the back of the room, we're putting stuff on the chalkboard and I just did not, none of the information reading, even to this day, like I'll buy a book and, um, it's hard for me to, to read and retain for information versus listening to it. So I'll, anytime I can find an audio book or even video, um, does something to stimulate whatever it is that, that, that retains information. Um, and then just building processes around that to try to help me out. So, but I, but getting back to the point of that, which is like, I had teachers that recognized that, okay, I wasn't a great student and they couldn't recognize why I wasn't a great student, like why my grades weren't up, but they recognized that I had talents in other areas. And so like, for instance, my, uh, my English teacher in high school, um, let me do an alternate, do alternative projects to meet grade requirements, um, uh, so that I could, you know, I could pass, and that included things like programming something on the computer or um, getting hooking my keyboard up to my music keyboard up to the computer and having it play music through it, so that you know it would you know do a composition. And so that was something that literally nobody else in probably that town was doing, but he recognized that I had an interest in it, and he he you know he pursued that. And so I think. That was really important to me that each one of the male figures um, in my life that um, looking back that they all um, intentionality today to this day is really important to me, too. It's not just, hey, we're bumping into each other, but you see a person and you see who they are and you individualize them and then you put an intentional um, effort towards getting to know that person or. Um, or sharing something with them or helping them do something specific. So um, intentionality is really important to me. And I think that's because of how intentional those male figures were about, mm. about pouring into me when I was a youth. So I think I'm going to take that word from you, intentionality. I've had a word called impact. I mean, I love mm -hmm. to impact men specifically, but people in general. But I like your word intentionality because mm. if you miss that, you won't have the impact. Mm. So I think in our fast-paced society, we're really busy mm -hmm. and we're in a hurry to get somewhere. We don't know where. Right. And it's hard to be intentional right. when you're in a hurry. So how do you, a couple things, how do you slow down to become intentional? I want to hear about your passion for music. Mm -hmm. And I know you're in a band. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Sure. Uh, you came from ministry at a local church. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, uh, where are you today and why is Valor mentoring a big deal in your life. Sure, sure. So yeah. lots, lots of questions there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I'll I'll uh, talk about the slowdown of, uh, of being and being more intentional about things. I think, um, you know, years ago I had learned about um, sort of like the capacity that we have to um, engage with people or really truly know people. Um, there's a there's a um, you can Google this. There's a thing out there called the Dunbar number. And the Dunbar number is the number of people that you can uh, truly know. Um, and I've had discussions with um, some friends about this. I've got a friend who's in a fairly big band that's like doing a, a, a global tour right now. And that's one of the things that uh, that you suffer from as a as a celebrity or as a touring band is like how do you how do you, you're literally playing to thousands of people tonight how do you um, individualize them and the reality is that you really can't and so people just become faces and you know and shapes at some point and I think like even in our um, even in our our own social circles like we try to go to networking groups or we try to go to, you know, we work with businesses and it's clients. It's like speed dating or something. Yeah. And so um, we don't, I don't think, I don't 
personally have the capacity to truly know people um, the way I would like to know them. Um, I have difficulties, you know, remembering names until I've met, you know, people a couple times. And so some of that is just to say, um, uh, just for me, it's like setting a healthy limit to say, okay, I, um, I can't, um, I don't have the capacity yeah. to do this. And it's actually healthier for both me and the other person for me to, to figure out how to disengage without, um, without being offensive about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then the other part of it is simply, um, having the tools available to help you with those things. So like when you meet somebody and you get their card or something, like one of the first steps I do is I'll put them in my, in my, uh, in my Rolodex or I put them in my contact list and I'll put in there. I met this person through this thing. And so, hmm. um, using tools that we have available and we're in 2022 or we're, we're saturated with information. And so, um, but we're also, we have all of these great tools available to us to help us sort that information and play. And so the way that it helps me uh, slow down and be more intentional with people is to, <clears throat> is to, is to limit, uh, probably my exposure to, um, the amount of people that I feel like I can actually impact. Um, but then also doing what I can to try to, um, to, um, to remember that I've, that I've run into this person before. And that literally happened, uh, Wednesday at the, at the, uh, food for thought. I saw this guy that was like, Oh, you know, I worked with him at the Olive Garden back in the nineties. Mm. And, and he's like, I don't know who you are. I'm <laughs> like, you do know who I am. Actually, I remember you because you know, this thing. And so, um, being able to, to pull those out, you know, every once in a while, because I've made a note for myself, you know, you um, remembered he didn't. So. And that probably impressed him a little right. bit. Like, at some point in time, you were intentional about remembering this guy, something right. he did. Yeah. And how did he respond to that? Sure. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, I remember you, you know, and we, and then we, we were able to do some reminiscing. And now he's like, hey, call me up. Let's do, you know, you and I have a went different paths, but we kind of ended up in a similar place. So let's have, you know, have lunch. And so yeah. um, that, that might be, in, you know, a, a reconnection. And I, and I love those types of, totally. th types of things where we can, can reconnect with somebody. And, and because, again, with the capacity I have with people, it's like, people drift in and out of your circle and mm -hmm. your life. And so maybe at the time he, he went off and did something different. And I had other people come into my life that have now moved on. And now I've got the capacity to reconnect with him. And so I feel like I have an organic pace of people that sort of drift in and out of your circle of influence. Wow. You know, so it's probably a lesson on intentionality and capacity. Mm. You go into a room of a hundred people and you want to go through and meet everybody. Right. You simply can't do that, yeah. but you can meet one person or two people and be intentional about that. Right. So, okay. and, and, you know, then the question is, is it better to put a small amount of effort into a lot of people than it is to put a lot of effort into a smaller amount of people? Imagine Solid. being a pastor of a church, right? And and everybody wants to be your friend or everybody, you want to know those stories. And so as a pastor, you've got this heart to make an impact with people. And you, and, But at the same time, you're human and you only have the capacity to be able to, to do certain things, you know? Yeah. And so you have to be able to manage those types of things. And so I kind of look at it that from that perspective, it was like, you know, yeah. what's, what, what, what's a healthy, healthy limit for myself that actually is beneficial to everybody else as well as it is to myself. So, but speaking of ministry, speaking of pastors, yeah. So I, um, so yeah, after, after I had got, you know, going back to my, my story after I'd kind of gotten out of food service and I had this opportunity to work in the tech industry. And so, um, I ended up, uh, after a while, um, this was like the, the, 
the internet was just booming in the late nineties. And it was like this huge explosion. They called it the, the dot com bubble. And so I was, my, I ended up uh, going from company to company and ended up at, at IBM eventually. And, uh, right at the peak of, of, um, the, the internet boom. Um, but around, uh, around, uh, uh, 2000, well, around nine 11, um, that, uh, the economic boom and all of that sort of fell apart, um, partially because of that event, but uh, partially because I think uh, it just got to a peak and then it, like it, it it needed to go someplace and the only place to go was down at that point. And so um, I found myself in a position of uh, I found myself in the position of being uh, around of a lot of the people that were actually better and smarter than I was. And I started seeing, like, like literally, they they were doing massive layoffs and and that kind of thing in the industry, and that included at IBM. And so um, I had, you know, guys that had had degrees and certifications and stuff that I would see at the grocery store, like, you know, bagging groceries. I'm like, mm. well, if they're doing that, and I don't have those certifications, like, where is that going to leave me here pretty soon? And so, what I ended up doing was I ended up. Uh, Going, moving uh, back from Portland back to Salem, um, and just getting uh, kind of a, a a regular, you know, day to day job to try to figure out what kind of what my next career move was. And so, um, and then while I was doing, what I had decided to do was to go back to what I thought my original passion was, which is which was what I kind of wanted to do in high school, which is to study something around music and technology. So I actually went back to school to learn um, sound engineering. So that's kind of what my, my background is in now is, is audio and visual um, engineering, which is kind of what I do now. And so, um, and then when I came back from that, um, I uh, um, had, a, had an opportunity to serve at a church using some of those gifts. I had a friend who worked at, at Corbin University, was a Western Baptist at the time, but he's like, hey, we, we need uh, both somebody who can play uh, drums for our worship team, but also somebody who can um, help us run sound what and cool lights thing, and things man. like that. And so he's like, if you want, we could pay you a little stipend. So that got my foot in the door uh, to, to working in ministry, and that ended up leading to basically a full-time job working at uh, a Morningstar church for, for 13 years yeah. overseeing um, their IT and their their telecom and their tech and, and lighting and all of that stuff. And so um, had fully planted myself in, in, in uh, that, not because I was aiming to get a job in, in ministry, but um, the Lord presented that to me. And, and uh, I was like, okay, well, this is because my original plan after getting out of sound engineering school was to go start a recording business. And I did for a, for a, a, a time. I produced a couple albums. Um, right out of the gate, but I realized that like, oh, if you if you really want to go into that industry, you kind of need to move to where the industry's at. So you got to move to Nashville or yeah. L.A. or you know you know New York or one of those places where there's a hub of music, and that wasn't happening here in Salem, or definitely wasn't happening you know in Albany, and so. Um, but I, that was a useful skill. It just, you know, it just needed to get redirected to ministry yeah. um, is, is where it ended up happening. So worked at. Uh, Morningstar for 13 years, um, ended up uh, having an opportunity to um, move over to uh, um, to Salem Alliance, okay. um, uh, largely because the the what I was doing at Morningstar was more on the technical side, and I really, really felt compelled to lean more into my creative side. I'd picked up video um, production and storytelling 
Um, uh, and I really wanted to lean into that rather than um, into managing wiring and all of that stuff. And so um, Salem Alliance offered me an opportunity to do that, which would have been like digital storytelling. And so I moved over to Salem Alliance and, um, and uh, helped uh, run um, – uh, part of their technical, you know, team there, but also was able to lean into uh, digital storytelling, um, which is, you know, telling people kind of what we're doing right now, which mm-hmm. is just, you know, grabbing an individual and saying, hey, tell me about, you know, how you, uh, what, what was life before Christ? And, um, you know, what was your introduction? And how did it affect you now? Just We're just doing it visually, you know? Yeah. And so, and then telling stories about what was happening in the mission field and what was happening with the church, what's happening in the city that, would you know, places. And, with the with the goal of both storytelling um, and also helping people encourage people to say, hey, here's an opportunity for you to you know this could be you if you want to go into the mission field, mm-hmm. you know this is what it looks like and this is an experience that you could have if you decide to go and do this kind of thing. And so um, was really interested in in that. And I was at Salem Alliance for I think nine years or so, but a couple of years uh, about I don't know, four or five years or so. I, I prior to that I through my um this is actually inspired by my daughter right so like one of the interesting things about becoming a parent is that you are forced to a degree to stop becoming um self-centered <laughs> right i mean right. at the very inception of a <laughs> at the very birth of a, of a child you've got this this human being that requires you know, feeding and changing and bathing. And it's like the most selfish thing. So you can't be selfish because right. you have this thing that, that is absolutely selfish and you have to give up parts of yourself in order to do this. But then I realized after a while um, that um, I really enjoyed um, pouring into my daughter, even from a young age, like showing her how to do things. And then just as I, as she got older, the, the joy of, of pouring into her and showing her things and helping her grow and instructing her became a thing that really compelled me um, to drive me kind of to where I'm at today, which is like I I have a real passion for taking what I know now and showing other people what I do. Um, and what what's really interesting about the the industry that I work in in tech and all of that is um, is that you know you you can. You can go to school for it. Um, it's really expensive to go to school for it. Lots of times, you're when you leave, you're you've got a you know ninety thousand dollar loan or something like that. Um, it's it's you know it's crazy. And then you know there are some resources out there on YouTube and the internet and that kind of thing. But um, but uh, but like I always wanted to have access to this kind of stuff when I was when I was younger, and I just didn't. And so I was like, well, I'm I'm moving my this season, next season of my life is. Um, less about um, creating things and more about taking what I know and helping other people learn those tools so they can be creative. Hmm. And so I shifted to this um, this idea that I wanted to get into to, to pursue teaching or instruction um, of some sort of, of saying, okay, I've, I've got 20 years in, you know, I've got 15 years in the, the IT tech industry and I've got, you know, now 20 years like in, and sound recording and, and playing in a band and all of this stuff. And I can absolutely take all this stuff. And anybody that wants to learn about this, come to me and I'll just give it to you I for love free. That. Right? I gotta just, so, I'll just interject. Yeah. You know, when I met you a while back and it was my wife that encouraged me to do a podcast. And then Tim Davis introduced me to you. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know Chris, but, and 
I don't think I'd be here today doing a podcast really if it wasn't largely for you. Mm. And I don't think I gave you the value because I don't know – until right now, I don't know your history. Mm. I don't know you've had 20 years of passion and study and jobs of doing sound engineering, video production, whatever. <coughs> but uh, now I know mm. and I have a higher level of appreciation for it. So I just want to say thanks. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, that that kind of leads me to wh- where I'm at today. So you know, we, we'll talk. You know, we can talk about you know Val mentoring. And so like you know, again, about four years ago or so, I, you know, my daughter again, like I'm trying to help her in school, and so I'm involved with her in choir and music and that kind of thing. And so I was involved with her at her high school, and um, uh, at some point, uh, Tim and Val mentoring, who also has a passion of of, of using music, media, and the arts to to reach um, people as a as a tool to do mentoring, they they had uh, gotten together with uh, with the music department at McNary, uh, where my daughter was attending, and they were partnering with them to put on something. And so I got introduced to Tim through that, and after hearing. Valor's, uh, um, what their mission was, both for, for mentoring and, and reaching the fatherless um, in, in the community. And um, that, that made me really think about like um, uh, the, the role that, that fathers have play, played in my life and, and realizing like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm definitely being guided to this place to, mm. um, to use both the knowledge I have um, to, to, as a tool to, to create a relationship with somebody. But then now I've got this opportunity to, to pour into this person with also life experience and things like that. So just like I do as a dad, you know, I'm, I'm showing hard skills, but I'm also, you know, instilling moral values and, uh, and having conversations like that too. So I saw like what they were doing as a perfect vehicle for kind of where I wanted to go next. I had prior to that had considered, um, trying to start some sort of small school, some sort of tech school here in the area. Um, but it, it didn't necessarily have the, the same mindset. It was definitely like, Hey, I want to show people how to do what I'm doing, but it wasn't as personal as mentoring, which is hmm. uh, again, intentionally creating a situation uh, of interest that you could, that will cause two people to get together so that then you can um, be intentional about getting to know that person. So that's kind of largely what I see what we do now as, as mentoring is like we, we do definitely, we do one-on-one mentorings where we, we set up a mentoring relationship and we have people come and say, Hey, I really need a mentor. Um, but um, th- some of the, some of the mentoring opportunities uh, I always say that like you, you, you can mentor no matter where you're at. You know, one of the one of the big learning curves that we've had here um, at the bowling alley is, you know, we've got all these employees that we're working with, and there's there's certain struggles that everybody goes with with the job and the things, but sometimes those struggles are personal things that are impacting their work, and so um, I always say, hey, you know, this person's struggling with this thing, and I and I say, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like a mentoring opportunity, <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. um, that's like the first thing I say if we're having some sort of conflict or some sort of struggle. It's like, hey, let's here's an opportunity for you to be intentional about this employee, learn a little bit about them. Um, there's another saying that you probably only heard too is that um, that people use, which is uh, who hurt you? You know, as you know, if somebody gets angry at you, the response is like, who hurt you? You know, but the it's a kind of a joke, but at the same time, it's real. Like when when you have a customer or somebody who's angry at you, or if you get into a conflict, there's usually they're not usually necessarily angry at you. It's usually something else that's happening in their mm-hmm. life, 
And sometimes just being intentional to say, and genuinely, how how are you doing? Or like Tim likes to do is say, hey, what's the what is something what is something that you're struggling with? Like, what's a big struggle for you right now? And depending on the situation you have, the, a person will absolutely just open up to you because you're being intentional about asking about uh, a piece of their life. Now, we also live in a society where people are like, hey, why are you talking to me? You know, but but I think we I think uh, we need to be bold in in taking into. I think if you people want to be loved, they want to be known, they want to be seen. Um, and there's ways to do that um, by by being intentional and asking them, uh, and that creates an, an opportunity to mentor. So. Yeah, just with your word, yeah. If people feel interrogated, they're gonna like, whoa, easy. Mm. But if you're intentional, and people feel that you're intentional, I think, like you say, I think people open up and they want to share with you mm. their burden. Yeah, Tim does that well. What's your greatest challenge? Mm-hmm. I, I see him do it a hundred times. If right. I've seen it a thousand, and so right. when people know that you're intentional, it's like. They have this burden. Everybody wants to share that burden, right? And uh, we have to draw it out of them right. by being intentional. Yeah, and, and I think it's we we as Valor Mentoring. You know, we we are the core of what we do is a is a mentoring organization. But you know, we we often have the opportunity to to impact people in other ways, just yeah. because we like other businesses are networking with other people. We we network with you know people that do deal with housing or or yeah. financing or. You know, real estate or or uh, legal help, and so you know, I've seen opportunities where Tim has said, "Hey, what's one of your biggest challenges?" And somebody has said, "Well, I'm dealing with this legal situation." And he's like, "Great, I know you know four attorneys. Let's contact one of them." And so we've actually, because of the relationship we have and with other people in the community, have had opportunities to be able to serve people in ways that we never had um, wasn't really on our radar. It's probably not in necessarily in our charter, but like. You know, it's uh, just from that step of, of taking a, a direct interest in person and being intentional about yeah. asking how they're doing, we've discovered that they have a need. Um, and people don't like to ask for things, right? They don't like to ask. They don't like to admit that they've got a need or a failure or they say that they see their need as a failure. Um, uh, and then we have this opportunity to draw it out of them. And then sometimes we have an opportunity to, to help them out with those things as well. So. Yeah. I love that you are passionate about connecting people. So as we end this podcast, uh, it's been great, by the way, getting to know you at a deeper level. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, Tell us about the name of your band, Mm -hmm. when you play, and then lastly, how can people get a hold of you to learn uh, how to create a podcast, Mm -hmm. how to be high level? Um, I know that you have uh, plenty to teach people. So Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So my band, yeah, I, I've been in uh, many musical projects over the years. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm primarily a drummer. My, my, uh, choir teacher in high school, um, said, Hey, we need a drummer because the other drummer is graduating out. And so they did some pretty uh, simple rhythmic tests to see who, who could, uh, you know, I'm going to play a rhythm uh, and then you repeat it back to me. And I was the one who won that. So she's like, great, I'm giving you the school drum set and I'm sending you to drum camp over the summer. And so uh, much to the chagrin of my, of my parents, you know, because drums are, 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 are a noisy instrument, but I picked up the drums when I was in, in the middle of, of high school and that's been my, my instrument. And so I've been in and out of bands. And um, so currently, yeah, I, I um, I'm in a band uh, called it's Rich Swanger and the little known band. And so it's really Rich Swinger, who's the singer-songwriter, and the little-known band is a bunch of us guys that um, that support what he does. And so he's a 
he's from uh, the East Coast, uh, you know, Appalachian, um, uh, rich history of singer songwriting um, stuff. And so he's he's a really great songwriter and for a long time was a solo artist. And we're like, hey, we can we can make this sound bigger if we add drums and bass and, and keys and things like that. And so um, so we we support uh, what he does, and we affectionately refer to us as as a dad band because we're all all of us are kind of in the same stage of life where we all have kids that are within you know ten years of uh, of age of each other, and so we've got some some experience there that to share. Um, and then we've all we've all similar have been have been playing in bands for twenty years, and so for us to be it's a it's a, it's a comfortable place to be able to come in, uh, and we've been playing together for a few years now, so that. You know, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's very enjoyable because it's actually low effort for for us, um, uh, but at the same time, just maximum uh, gratification and uh, and and it's just really fun to play because it's just you know we we do seventy five percent original stuff and then we do a bunch of covers, but it's kind of like sixties seventies you know uh, um, folk country singer songwriter stuff, and we play a lot of um, wineries and. And uh, um, you know pubs and and festivals and that kind of stuff. And so um, we can be found at uh, uh, um is where all of our dates are. And we you know, we we play it like for instance, I think next month we've got a date out at uh, Ankeny Vineyards. And so people can come out and have a little wine and drink some, eat some pizza and and uh, and watch us play for sounds a couple good of to hours. me. So wow. yeah, so that that's been really fun to do. So. Yeah, and so yeah, as far as uh, reaching me specifically, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to, uh, to consulting with anybody uh, for anything, large or small, you know, whether or not you know you want to do a whole project or if it's just want you you want to learn something new. Um, you know, my email address is uh, is chris at valormentoring dot com, and so um, anything music media related, if it's audio or video or or podcasting. Um, storytelling, um, any of that stuff. A- even if it's something that that I don't necessarily cover, I'm absolutely sure I can <laughs> I can I can I can help somebody uh, uh discover a new way to do something. So totally. Yep. Well it's it sounds like you like a challenge and you like to be creative so that's perfect. But yeah I would totally encourage people to reach out to you if they need help and uh support Valor Mentoring as well mm-hmm. at the same time. So well Chris, thanks for sharing your heart and your life with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned a lot about you Uh, and if you're listening please uh, like and subscribe to our uh, podcast also share this with somebody who you might think it would have an impact with as well and we will see you next week thank you very much